podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name's Daniel. It's me, HH. This week, we have a guest. He ba- Why? He, he almost invited himself. The cops are coming for him, apparently. <laughs> 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 Look, Ford, what, uh, what kind of life me. are you leading? I hope everything is fine and so forth. If you need anything hidden, I can call a few of my, my boys. If you need some stuff, put on the side. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, this week we have a guest. Um, he goes by four words. Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on still. <laughs> it's good to be here. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, to be fair, we've been planning this for a little while, so it's good to be on. I think the circumstances is going to be any better, seeing as our season just finished right now. So, yeah, happy to be on number one who, who do you support and where can people find you online yeah i support chelsea uh the pride of london of course and uh, you can find me on twitter at forward underscore 100 indeed so you can follow us online twitter.com soundcloud.com facebook.com all at talking tactics um we're on instagram as well if you're listening on spotify remember to give us a follow if you're on apple podcast subscribe it's free and leave us a five-star review and we'll read it on the show i'll read them all next week i'm pretty sure there's one or two and also if you want to help uh your boys monetarily we have a patreon that we, where we record talking tactics extra we're gonna start doing some pretty cool things in the in the coming future with the Patreon. So I encourage everybody to to look it up. And uh, yeah, three dollars a month, you get access to the back catalog that we've been doing since the beginning of 2019. So maybe over 60, 70 extra podcasts that we've done. So yeah, check that out. It's it's a good time. Have hope. Where can people get you online before we start? Just Google Have Hope, man. So forward, why did you want to come on the podcast? I think this is where we should start. Yeah, I'm, I'm why why are you here? Um, so I, I invited myself, or maybe in other words, I called you guys out <laughs> because I have different views to um to what you guys have generally on Lampard and in terms of how the club, the direction where the club is going now, not completely different. I agree with a lot of what's been said, but I thought like there was a, another side to the conversation that wasn't really being aired on this yeah. on this podcast. So I feel like I would like to give that opinion. So if you could lay out your view of this Chelsea season, maybe Lampard in particular, floor's yours. Well, again, it's obviously important to um, to bear in mind the context going into this season. Um, and I think also generally just the context of what Chelsea as a football club is in the 21st century right now. Well, a club that should be aiming for Premier League titles, should be aiming for Champions League titles. Anything less isn't really what our MO should be. Again, we've set the president now for the last 15, 20 years under Roman Abramovich mainly since his takeover. That we've been a club that generally goes for winning trophies. We're not necessarily satisfied by just being in the top four or, or just you know, making up numbers in competitions, but there to really win competitions. Now, having said that, the circumstances going into this season were a little bit different to what we're normally accustomed to. Um, losing our best player to Real Madrid um, and also not having a, a chance to win or to invest heavily in a squad, which, in my opinion, needed a lot of investment. So the cards were stacked against Lampard going into this season. Um, I was optimistic that we could get top four, but many people in the fan base and outside the fan base didn't have us in the top four. Some didn't have us in the top six. Um, I think the BBC had 20 of their pundits give their top four uh, predictions going into the season. And I think only three of them had Chelsea in. And if you look even closer, I think two of them were former Chelsea players. So there was a little bit of bias in that. So very few people had Lampard getting us into the top four, which eventually we did achieve. Now we will obviously get into the intricacies of how we did it. Obviously things that Lampard could have done better, what things he did do well. Ultimately, I feel like like it is ultimately a, a good season in terms of the result that we that we got in terms of getting top four, getting to a cup final. But at the same time, for next season, I certainly do expect better once he gets his own players in because you have to bear in mind that he's got players from Sari zero, Conte zero, 
when Mourinho was here, some even before that. He's gotten us playing pretty good football, but again, it could be better. But at the end of the day, it's a results business and we got top four. So for me, it's ultimately a good season. And where criticisms I have of you guys' opinions is it's not a good enough season because the likes of Sari or Conte got better seasons or had more points had more points in the season. But for me, I feel like you have to look at it season by season. And given the context, I think ultimately it is a pretty good season given the circumstances going into what was the season. I do understand the aspect of, based on the on the whole season thing, um, with the fact that Dunstan's have hazard a lot more of younger players and so forth. So he did good in a, in a very difficult situation and also the transfer ban as well. But remember, this was a pretty bad season. If you go past Liverpool, this was a pretty bad season. The second place team lost, what, seven, eight games? And facts are facts. Chelsea considered like about 40 or 50 goals this season. So Chelsea were just fortunate that people were performing really badly. In a regular season, Chelsea don't, don't come forth. And you have to remember, Chelsea lost to Bournemouth. They lost to Watford. They lost to West Ham twice, you know. So yes, there are wins over Man City and on so forth. But I think Lampard is a talented coach. but He's no Pep Guardiola, who's just like, wow, look at this maverick who just came in and did the whole thing. But remember, Pep Guardiola already had experience and working with the B team and so forth. So I don't know whether he was working with the B team for a longer time than Lampard. I just think that for Lampard, the best thing we can say is he did well not having Hazard and a transfer ban. But if you're looking at it, big picture, like, oh, can this a team that can really go on and win a trophy or really go on and really make a, t- a title... Do you think Lampard is the right manager for a title push? Because I just think that that whole the defense thing, it isn't just personnel. If Benitez is is manager, the defense isn't that, that bad. That's a coaching thing. Because that same Real Madrid team that we've seen now who have an amazing defensive right record, under Solari and Loptigi, they were hopeless. Still the same defense, still the same players, but defensively they were whole hopeless. Zidane comes in, they are certainly like the best defensive team in La Liga. So Chelsea defense has been embarrassing. Because Ford, please tell me an explanation for 7-1. Please explain to me an explanation of losing 3-0, getting lubricated in your own house. That's insane. To lose 3-0 on your, in your, on your own home ground, transparent or not transparent, that is crazy. So it, it depends what Chelsea fans want. If you just want to be like, okay, it's a process, long term, let's be like Arsenal, cool. But if it's like, no, this is Chelsea. And this is the Abramovich Chelsea. Wait, no, no, no. It's about money. It's a, it's it's about glitz. It's about it's about glamour. <laughs> so let's try and bring in a dude who can say what's up now. So my my rebuttal to that would be uh, again. I understand the aspect of what well, we need a guy for right now, and we've had that. We've had that in previous years. We had Conte who came in for the right now, and he won a, us a Premier League title, and obviously left in after his second season. We had Sarri, who was kind of a guy for right now as well, and he got us third in the league and got us a Europa League final, uh, a Europa League title as well. We've had guys who have come in for the short term, and they've given us they've given us short term success, yes, but on the long term, how much success have they really given to us? I feel like for me, Lampard's job, as well as trying to get us into the top four, was to build the foundations for the future. Now, to your point earlier, is he a Pep Guardiola? Is he a Zidane? Maybe not. Maybe I mean maybe he's given gonna get the chance to prove us wrong, but I don't believe he is. And obviously you said he's not. Fair enough. But I think the job that he's got is different to those guys because he's not walking into a team that Pep did with Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, or Zidane with. Again, he was already the assistant manager under Carlo Angelotti, where Real Madrid won the Champions League. So he was already taken over from a Champions League winning team at that point when he got, he got into the job. Lampard isn't taken over from that. He's taken over from a team that has got very little experience in the Champions League itself. I mean, going into this season. 
I mean, players like Kante, Jorginho, Alonso, these are pretty experienced players for us. But, I mean, Kante's got six appearances in the Champions League before this season. Same with Jorginho and Alonso had seven. And these guys are meant to be one of our, our, our more experienced players going into the season. So, you didn't really have the same calibre of players going into the season, certainly in terms of experience, as these guys did. What I think his job really should have been for us, and is good for us going, going forward, is actually building a team for the future, not just getting our, our success in the short term, because... Ultimately, you look at the likes of Sari and Conte and the players that they brought in. They were players that helped them to get short-term success. But how many of those players are really helping us right now? Not many of them, if you look at the list of players that were brought in. I mean, if you even look through Conte's first season, oh, sorry, second season, and the players that he brought in. I mean, he brought in the likes of Morata for £60 million, Bakayoko for £35 million, Drinkwater for £35 million, Rudiger for £30 million. Zabo Costa for 22 million, Ross Barkley for 15 million. I mean, bro, <laughs> I mean, how many of those guys are players that you think should be in the Chelsea team starting next season? Some of those are club signings, to be fair. Yeah, and, and I understand that. But at the same time, for me, it's looking at the, the long term view for where the club is going to be going. Because, yes, it may not have been all Conte's first choices, but he would have okayed most of them. And they were certainly the type of players that he was looking for. Now, again, we haven't seen what Lampard centers are going to be like with, obviously, Werner coming in and Ziyech and potentially Kai Havertz or Declan Rice or whoever may come through as well. These players that have been brought through under Conte, how many of them are really doing anything for us right now? Because, again, these were the type of profile players that he was looking for. He may not have got his first choice, but he got a second or third choice. So are they doing anything for us right now? Not necessarily. If you look at even Sarri's first season when he came in, tell me if these guys are hit or miss. Kepa at 72 million. That's a big fat miss. <laughs> Higuain on a seven million one year loan, humongous miss. And then there's also Kovacic on a loan, which you can argue that it's debatable. He's had obviously a pretty good season this year, but it remains to be seen what he does for us in the future. But my main point is, is obviously we both, we all three of us know as Chelsea fans, is we don't want to go through. Oh, sorry, complicated Chelsea fans. I, I understand. I, I know the MO. I know. Very complicated. <laughs> That's going to be a discussion for another podcast. But um, <laughs> what I what I would say is we obviously know from Mourinho's, um, from Mourinho's, um, Mourinho's second tenure at the club, while there was success, obviously we won the league, we saw a lot of talented players slip through our fingers and ultimately end up at the hands of our rivals. The likes of Mohamed Salah, who didn't get much of a chance under Mourinho. Kevin De Bruyne, Premier League Player of the Year this season. Romelu Lukaku, the likes of even Juan Mata, who I still think had a lot of gas left in the tank by the time Mourinho said he wasn't good enough and decided to play Oscar over him. A lot of younger players that, that didn't get a chance. I mean, there was even a famous um, article that Mourinho said in, in a press conference that oh, the likes of uh, Lewis Baker, Dominic Solanke and Izzy Brown, if these guys don't break through and become stars in the Premier League, don't blame England, blame me. I am the one. That's what he said. And I mean, where are these guys now? I mean, <laughs> these guys are in the championship or even worse. So, I mean, like, it goes to show that a lot of these guys weren't given a chance. And again, now bringing it back to you, obviously, right now with Lampard, we've seen the likes of Reese James get a chance, Hudson Odoi get a chance, Ruben finally get a chance to somebody that Mourinho and Conte didn't favour much. These are guys are all get obviously Mason Mount as well, Tomori. These guys are all getting a chance this season. And I'm not saying these guys are all going to be world-class hits and they're going to be the guys who are going to take us straight to a Champions League final. But imagine us in three or four years' time where these guys are closer towards their peak. And that's the nucleus of our squad, that British core who have come through the academy you obviously understand our way of playing. And they're going to be that core to the team, which we're going to then provide pieces to kind of fix the uh, the jigsaw and provide that final piece to the puzzle because players like Ziyech, players like Werner, to add to that, you know, that's when you're really going to see a, a team really be gelled together. And maybe that's going to be a team that can then challenge for a title or go further in the Champions League. 
not in this first season, I didn't expect it, but I think going forward, if we make the right signings, along with these young players being given a chance, unlike the ones of previous gen of previous uh, teams under Conte and Mourinho, then who knows? Maybe we can then push on and then maybe we would see Lampard oh, oh, he can be a manager on the level of a Pep or Zidane. Obviously, given time, we'll see if that we'll see if those questions are gonna be answered. I don't have a problem with Lampard himself. Obviously, there are things that he does in games and little trends that happen where it's like, okay, you can see more goals than Arsenal, but you have better defenders than Arsenal in the course of a Premier League season. That obviously suggests that there's something structurally wrong with what you're trying to do as as it stands. Maybe as you get better players, the better players will bail you out and your system will look better. But as it stands, if you know that you have lesser players and you are having to bring in inexperienced players to do a job, maybe you should be a little bit less aggressive in the way that you're trying to implement your football. That's one thing. But my overall arching issue is more so with the club in terms of, you know, you have a transfer ban. You know, you're selling Hazard to Madrid. That was a predetermined transfer in the pipeline. He gave you a year with sorry, but he was like, no, I'm leaving. If you know that you have all these things stacked against you, why would you bring in a manager like Lampard? If Sarri would have had this exact same season, people would be complaining. Maybe the football wouldn't have been what they wanted. Maybe the players, uh, the, the whole British core that people seem to like in English football wouldn't have been there. All, all of these types of things. But you bring in Frank Lampard, who is you know a saint of the club, who's probably the best ever player that's played for Chelsea. You might argue Drogba, you might argue Terry, you might argue Zola, but I think most people would probably put Lampard at number one. You have the best player that's ever played for the club, put him as manager. The fans are automatically on side with that. And that buys you time in order to fix whatever's wrong. That doesn't necessarily mean Frank Lampard is the guy to build the team. It's just he's the guy for right now. And my thing is, I like Frank Lampard. I like them as a player. But I'm more thinking like, so you're just going to throw this man into the deep end? Like, we don't know if he can swim and you're throwing him into the 12 foot. Now, it just so happens the other people who've been thrown in this pool, whether it be uh, the Arsenal manager, Spurs manager, United, they all can't swim either. So it just so happens that, you know, Lampard's doggy paddle, if I want to continue this metaphor, is like it's, it, it kept him afloat just enough. So he's done better than I expected. He hasn't completely drowned. But he's not flourishing in that way. And obviously there are things stacked against him. But I'm just looking at it like they didn't put Lampard in the best situation to succeed this season, perhaps even next season. And that's more my issue. It's just like, what is the club's motive here? Am I making sense? Oh, no, definitely. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. And I mean, I shared the same sentiment in the sense that it wasn't... I mean, for me, Lampard probably shouldn't have come in now. I think it was a bit too early. Again, maybe the club were kind of running out of options once Sarri obviously set ship back for back for Italy to um, obviously go and win the uh, the league there in Italy and, and, and for Juventus and have a great career there, which, oh, I mean, he just got sacked. So I guess I didn't really work out for him, did it? But obviously he did end up leaving us pretty much high and dry. So there wasn't many top elite managers that were available that really wanted to take the risk of being with Chelsea, knowing that their club is losing their best player and they're not going to have a chance to win up to bring in players that you would like to bring in. So again, I don't know how many top managers were really available at the time who would want to have taken that job. So you're kind of almost forced to take in Lampard in. And again, media narrative that we kind of made it, oh, we're bringing back one of our club legends. Obviously, we know that fans are going to be on side of him and be a bit more patient and leaning with whatever happened because if we finish seventh this season I think a lot of fans would have made excuses for it I probably might have been one although I would definitely have been disappointed but again given what the narrative going into the season most people expected us to finish seventh or eighth to be fair that 66 point total is indicative of a seventh place club it's just that the league is as have hope pointed out the league has just been so bad that 66 points can get you third and fourth is that a credit to Ollie? is that a credit to Lampard or is that just like damn this league has fallen off if you look outside of Liverpool, 
So you can only play the competition that you have in front of you. And what I would also say is the competition of the teams behind the top six is always getting better. What I would say is a few years ago, there weren't team, there weren't players really that would get relegated in a team that you would really think, oh, would be a good addition to a top four, top six club. I mean, right now, from the teams that have got relegated, the likes of uh, Todd Cantwell or Buendia, the likes of Nathan Aker, who's gone to Man City, these things wouldn't have happened four or five years ago. So again, it's not a great point to talk I'll admit. And from where we were in January, certainly we shouldn't have been having this much of a battle for top four. I'll admit that the team has certainly fallen off. And maybe there you can question how much Lampard is pushing these guys in training because many reports have come out that these guys have been almost overworked in the sense that Lampard trying to replicate what his training methods were like in his prime when he was training, obviously, with again, a prime Chelsea squad at that time. Now we're trying to make these guys work even harder than maybe they should. Performances are full enough and we've seen them a little bit mm. laboured in our performances at the, in the final third of the season. But again, it, it remains to be seen. One thing I would say about Lampard going into this season and obviously going forward into next season, when he has his own players, obviously brings in his own defenders, maybe we'll have a better idea of what his style of football is and how it's going to be because while we get, we're going to criticise how many goals he's conceded, we've also scored a lot of goals this season with players again which he didn't bring in again the likes of Tammy Abraham coming in and getting 15 goals many people won't talk about that but the thing though is this though do you believe then if he gets all his players and all his people he will actually outscore the opposition so basically because you're saying that like eh, if he gets his players he'll even score even more goals so are you happy with like eh, defense screw that we're going to score more goals because the thing though is Pep Guardiola even though when we look at that 100 point season again a very attacking team or so for the pots they were very good without the ball and they had a very good effective pressing game and they worked very hard when they didn't have, have the ball. It is a very dangerous thing to have, especially if you don't have like a mess in your team. If you're just going to rely on, you know what, outscore the opposition. We're going to live and die by this whole attacking and attack is the best form of defense philosophy because, you see, that sort of goals conceded is indefensible. I can defend, okay, he didn't have Hazard, he didn't have these because and he actually did well. Losing 7-1 to Banik over two legs, conceding those many goals across the season, that is, is a failure of, of management. So do you then feel that even if he gets his players, you shouldn't be worried about how bad he is coaching defence? You look at him, and you've even brought up Pep in that in that in in your response. And again, with Pep, he conceded I don't know how many goals, or maybe forty plus. I believe he conceded in his first season in the Premier League. So again, not a great total by Man City standards. And he was given a chance to go and reinvest completely in a new backline, spend over one hundred and fifteen million on fullbacks. And again, they won they went and won the league. Now, yeah, I'm not saying Lampard's going to do exactly that, but he's going to get a chance to reinvest in that backline. And again, I will obviously admit, again, I'm not just here to just purely defend Lampard blindly. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to give my own genuine opinion on what I think has been going on with this season. And one problem that I have had with Lampard defensively is that there's been a lot of unnecessary rotation in terms of just unsettling that back four. I mean, we started the season off with Zuma and Christensen. Um, I believe it was Zuma on the left, Christensen on the right. Then Tomori came in and he started on the first game on the right and Zuma on the left. Then the next game, we then put Zuma back on the right and then Tomori on the left. And that's when we went on that really good run of games we uh i believe we were second in the table people were even saying oh maybe we might we might mount a title challenge which again i didn't ever believe people were just looking for somebody to challenge liverpool at the time but we certainly had a went on a great run of form then rudiger came back in and then and then there was a lot of rotation now we got to the end of the season where now we're playing a back five and zuma played on the right of a back three for the first time in the entire season at the end of the season so there was a lot of chopping and changing which again yes isn't great it isn't indicative of a great defensive manager but it's also indicative of 
a manager. He hasn't got the players that he would like there. So I think once Lampard gets his own defenders in, I think we will certainly see a better defensive record going into next season. As for the attack, I mean, you say that you want to use, uh, you've, is Lampard trying to outscore teams and is it going to be a case of we're going to just have shootouts every game? I mean, it was the case at the start of the season. We had a lot of crazy results. There was a result against Arsenal early in the season, um, against Wolves or something. I believe we beat them, what was it, 5-3? It's the first season and it's the first season of, I don't know, maybe two or three under Lampard and a new manager who's bringing in young, younger players and also bringing in newer talents who are going to be able to make an impact onto this team because we can't deny that the likes of Ziyech, who's an actual creative player, somebody who's left with coming off the right, something that Chelsea haven't had in donkey's years, maybe since Robin. And then even then, he even played a lot on the left at the time. So we've not had somebody like that in so long. And obviously, Timo Werner, an inside forward who scores goals which we've seen in the Premier League with the likes of Mohamed Salah, Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane. That's something that is so effective in the Premier League. So now with these two additions alone, we're automatically going to score an extra 10, 15, 20 goals in the Premier League. So I don't think it's always going to be a shootout in terms of just outscoring opposition. I think we'll be able to try and keep more clean sheets with the right signings. And I think we're going to ultimately be a better team now. Are we going to push and win the title next season? I think that's still a bit of a stretch. I think there's still a ways to go to do that. But it's certainly going to be not us conceding 50-odd goals, which I think is the worst return since the 19. 19- I think it's going to be a lot better all, all around as a team. If goal scoring hasn't been the problem this season, you might even look at the players and you might think, man, they should have scored more. But goal scoring isn't necessarily the issue. So for me, it's quite interesting. They're looking at Havertz. They've bought uh, Ziyech. They've bought Werner. It's like, yo, those are three attack-minded players. None of the signings as of yet are addressing the main issues, which is you probably need the center back. There are, there are three center backs who are a center back or who can be the complimentary one, but none of them are the guy. Maybe Zuma could be that, but Christensen isn't the guy. Rudiger isn't the guy. Like you need the the Van Dyke or the Koulibaly of the back line. That doesn't exist. So that's a place where you need a left back is paramount. Alonso and Emerson. Emerson, yeah, he's not horrible, but he's not the left back that you need. Right back, I guess Reese James is, is cool. And I don't even need to get into the goalkeeper. So... Out of the four positions in the back five, you need three. And maybe you could say, yeah, they're not finished. They're going to sell, drink water. Who else could go? Maybe Jorginho. People say sell Conte, which is stupid, but sell Alonso, sell all these kinds of players, and then you'll have the funds to buy. Who knows? Maybe that will come to fruition. Lampard's seen this whole season, and the players that I guess he wants first or the ones who can score, when scoring isn't necessarily the issue. For me, that's that's interesting. Again, players like Ziyech was available, given that the, the area of Ziyech finished early. Um, and obviously, he's targeting Werner. Obviously, he's got Werner, and he's targeting Habits, fair enough. But we are heavily linked to the left-back. Um, reports that we're going to be going in for Chilwell pretty hard in the next couple of weeks. Not my first choice, but again, it is somebody who would improve, obviously, the current Chilwell. Because... <laughs> have hope, have hope. It's better than a monster. <laughs> it, it's a lot better again it's not my first choice either for sure I mean I mean, for me personally I, I feel like while Alfonso Davis is doing so well for Bayern Munich at left back we should go in and make a bid for Alaba I feel like that just I, makes... I've said it months ago I said it months ago mm. I mean I feel like it makes almost too much sense but again Chilwell he would be an upgrade on what we do have. Alonso, as we know, is not is not a, a great footballer. <laughs> We're going to put it candidly. And while Emerson does look great on the ball and has moments where he makes you think, oh, you know, this guy could be the guy. Ultimately, I mean, he just isn't enough. I mean, even in the the seven two defeat to Bayern Munich, I mean, there was the moments where that, that where the ball came in for Talisos go and again, there was just no communication in the back line. Now, whether that's down to Lampard and the coaching, perhaps, but also just the players themselves, they need an actual leader in there to be talking and communicating and. 
again, Emerson clearly saw the run from Tedisco. Not a word was spoken to Zuma at all. And obviously, when he goes in there and gets an easy tap in. So, um, can I ask you one question forward? If he wanted to come, would you rather Chelsea have Pochettino as manager right now for next season, or are you comfortable keeping Lampard? Like, do you think Lampard has the tools? To become a manager who can get Chelsea into a Champions League final, a Champions League final, and compete for the Premier League, or would you rather just go with somebody who's more proven, i.e., a Pochettino, if he if he were willing to come? For me personally, unless somebody like a Pep or a Klopp became available, which obviously they're not, I wouldn't swap anybody for Lampard. Now, that's not to say there's no managers out there that are point. Let me land. Let me land. Chill, chill. Eat your meal. Um, again, <laughs> my point is. Is that yes, there are plenty of managers who are more credentialed than Lampard. I understand that there's many more who have won more trophies, of course. But the thing is, look, if we bring in another manager, that's somebody working with another idea of how they want to play football. Again, with someone like Pochettino, obviously in his tenure at Tottenham, is that he likes to he doesn't really like to use the wings much at all, which has been a, a huge point of how Lampard had to play this season. So now we're gonna have to maybe ship out some players that are already settled players in this eleven and in this squad. And now we're gonna have to go get more players that Pochettino would want. So Again, for me, I don't see their need in wanting to, in needing to, especially right now, switch into another manager who has a different philosophy. I think for me, we've got to stick with what we have now and continue to build because, again, it's a process. And if we go and ruin this process and go and get somebody else, then we're having to start over again. And I, I guess the point of my question is, what has Lampard shown you that he's the guy to put trust in to build the project? What has he constructed that would prove to you that if we give him five years, what he makes will work? That doesn't exist. So it's your your uh, people. I don't want to call you out specifically because I guess you're just building the argument. But people who think like that, it's just Chelsea fans who love Frank Lampard. Nobody would take Ali except Manchester United fans. Nobody would take Lampard except Chelsea fans. I don't think anybody would take mm. Pirlo except Juventus fans. I guess maybe people would take Zidane other than Real Madrid fans at this point, considering how many Champions Leagues and Leagues he's won, but that's maybe a different story. If you gave me the opportunity to sign a young, proven manager who has something to prove in a Pochettino, thank you, Lampard, for the season that you gave in the whole transfer ban, and I guess you got us top four, whatever the case may be. If Nagelsmann was available, would you take Nagelsmann if he was available, or you'd still keep Lampard? Again, Nagelsmann, he's a great coach. He's done uh, great things in, in Germany in his career. But again, I wouldn't be mad if he came in. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think that we should now drop Lampard. I don't... I don't no, no, I don't, no, no. I can't no. agree with Forward, that. forward, forward. I'm not asking you like... I, I'm just saying, let's say for sure, Nagelsmann, Pochettino, somebody like that was available. Would you just be willing to X out Lampard and be like, well, thank you for your service for this season? but there's clearly somebody who's better at this thing than you right now. Or are you saying, let's keep Lampard to see what this project is, even though you don't know if Lampard's capable of doing it? Again, you, you guys are saying that maybe you've not seen enough from Lampard to suggest that he definitely is the guy. I've certainly, for one, I've not seen enough to say that he, he isn't the guy and the job he's done so far doesn't isn't worthy of staying on. Yes, he, again, if these guys were available, it's a question that maybe the board would then have to answer. Maybe see, do we go for these guys who are more experienced, who have more pedigree in the game, even though Pochettino's won nothing, of course. Um, I would still say no for, for many reasons, for the fact that we actually are building a squad here. Again, you look at somebody like Conte, who came in with a proven resume, did win us a Premier League title. Yes, I understand that. But if you look at all the signings that he's made, right now there are almost non-factors in the team right now. I mean, look at many young, quality, talented players who are doing well across Europe right now. The likes of 
obviously Jeremy Bobo, he had a great season with Sassuolo in, in Serie A. Someone like Ole Eno, he would have been a fantastic left-back in this system right now that we're playing. But again, he's now at Torino having a great season again. And we're stuck here with Alonso and Emerson. So again, yes, there's more experienced, more credentialed managers out there. But for me, you've got to continue this process and let it build. Otherwise, we're going to let a lot of great, talented players in this in this squad right now go to waste. Because players like Musanda, Bogar, again, Ruben Lossichik back in the day, like so many players that we've had in this academy have come up through the academy. We wasted them. And we not only have we wasted their potential of what they could have been in this team, but it's a waste of money. These guys could have been sold for a lot of money had we actually built them up and played them in the right way. And if we decided that, okay, they weren't good enough for the first team right now, cool, then we could have moved them on and got money for them. Within a club team, has there ever been a process that has yielded serious success apart from the class of 92 and Fergie? Wenger tried with, you know, Hleb, Nazri, Sanya, and so forth. But they're like, man, F this man, we're out. Okay, well, how long is this, is this going to take? So has there ever been like a process of, okay, we're wondering what we're building, so the building something, and it's actually end up with, wow, serious success after a group stayed together for a few years, got chemistry, and then started winning things. Apart from the class of, of 92, has that ever actually happened? So an example of that would be the La Masia team, or obviously or Barcelona. Um, there are a couple were, of more out there. The parts of the team before Pep came through, though. So it wasn't really a process that was built by Pep. They were already embedded into the team under Rijkaard, and then Pep just came and be like, okay, let me just take you to the next. So it wasn't a case of where Pep had these guys for six, seven years altogether and, and, and built them up. I mean, the equivalent is class of 92, Fergie, where he was... Managing Nicky Bot, Beckham, Neville, Scholes, and everything. And he was the guy that built them all the way up to now being them. So Pep wasn't the manager of La Masia all the way through. And then, boom, community for six, six years, six, seventh year, we now rule the world. Yeah, I hear that. But now you're asking a different question because, again, nobody's had ever going to have the longevity that that Ferguson had. Most managers right now in this day and age only have a two or three year cycle and then they're moved on to the next one. Now, we've seen young players through the academy stay in the team and then go on and have uh, and then have good teams and then be obviously we go on to be a good team a very good team you see them with the, with the Monaco team that was a young team that got to a Champions League semi-final obviously the Barcelona team that I mentioned earlier and again it is a relatively unprecedented thing but it's also you have to also bear in mind the unprecedented success that this Chelsea team has had as a youth team again the last I don't know I believe nine youth cups that we've entered in we, we've won seven of them We've won plenty of European trophies at the youth level as well. So this is a team that has had plenty of a success. And I guess maybe selfishly, I have to say, as a Chelsea fan, having seen us spend millions to win Premier League titles and in recent years spend millions to not win Premier League titles and, and obviously waste it on the likes of Maratta, Bakayoko, Drinkwater, Kepa, the list goes on. I would like to actually see these young players who have proven themselves at, at youth level have looked good when we've given them a chance in the Premier League and the Carabao Cup games and the FA Cup games. Do pretty well in the Champions League in certain stages. Okay, we got thrashed 70 by, by Bayern, which wasn't great. By the way, I say it's 70 because I count Hudson Odoi's goal. That was an amazing goal. It counts. I don't care what anyone says. These guys have shown enough for me for me to believe that, you know what, we're going to give these guys a chance. I don't want to... And again, it's part of the process. And again, you might call me a romanticist and say that, you know what, why is this guy saying that he doesn't want Nagelsmann or Pochettino when instead of Lampard? Or why is he putting so much trust in these young players? For me, I've seen this Chelsea team spend millions upon millions upon millions and so and get success, but it was always short-term success. I want this team to go and build a foundation that's gonna set us up for the next five to ten years. Like the that the first team that had that we had under the Abarabajero. I mean, you know what? How I look at it like this, right? Is we had almost the the cycle before obviously the the, the Champions League final 
uh, in, obviously in 2012 at the Allianz Arena with one And obviously that was obviously the Drogba, Lampard, Terry, Czech era. Then there was the era after that, which I'll probably name as the Hazard era, really. He obviously was there for a good seven, eight years, and it was mainly him who was that guy. He was the, the main mainstay of the team. But in that time, how many times did we go and buy players for obscene amount of money and they didn't really give us a proper return on investment? The likes of uh, Marata, Bakayoko, Kepa, etc. I want to see us actually give these young guys a chance. I feel like now, obviously, with Hazard gone, Lampard coming in, this is maybe the start of the next generation, the next iteration of the Chelsea team. Maybe it's a bit symbolic that we've obviously just got handed a 7-2 slap. And I saw what that guy said. It was 7-2. I don't care what anyone says. When the likes of Reese James, Hudson, Day, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, when these guys are all a bit older, Pulisic as well, we're going to build this team. And when these guys are in their prime, we're going to add the right pieces rather than we fix the jigsaw again and again. And again, I want to just build one process and let that team go on to be the team that's meant to be. It is noble. It is noble, and I think it is very much how things should be done, i.e. let people grow, young players. It's like football manager. That's actually that's actually the, the key to football manager, even if it doesn't work in real life, is you buy young players, see if, if they're good, get your training rights, get your coaches' rights. Next four or five years, these guys are now supremely amazing. You can now sell them for a huge... That's like the best, most addictive thing that I, I was doing for football manager is, wow, man... I remember when I got this unknown player, I trained him up, made him good, retrained him, and now he's now like a 50, 60 million um, pound player, you know. So that's always a great thing to, to do. But in the real world, this is ruthless. And what you have to find is you need to spend money. You see, Wenger was was trying to be, now nah, I'm going to build, I'm going to build, I'm going to build, I'm going to build. And as he, as he was building, all the guys were getting with the program of build some, 70 mil, 60 mil, 50 mil. We need that big sign sign. We need that 26, 27-year-old who is a stud now. We need that kind of key guy who's a stud now. So it is risky if you want to now embed with the process and just hope that Tammy, Mount, Reese James, Loftus Cheek will now develop into these top-tier world-class players while everyone is continuing to win trophies. And as they're winning trophies, because remember, these guys will keep on improving. And these guys will keep on buying players. You know, maybe if Pep and Klopp leave, but let's say Pep, Klopp, Mourinho, um, all these guys remain in the league. These are very good managers who are far superior than Lampard. Like, Lamp- like Klopp and Pep are on a whole different planet to Lampard in terms of just their skill in coaching and management. So it is a risky move to do because, again, how long is the process? How many years? We need to have objectives. So after two years, what should we look for? After three years, what should we look for? So you must have won a trophy by two years, by three years. You must have finished second or third by two years, three years, four years. Because there has, there has to be a point of like, if you don't meet your ob- ob- objectives, all right, piss off. I'm not saying trust in this process wholeheartedly and that to the point where you're blind to the flaws in this team. If Tammy Abraham is not performing, then you go and buy a top striker to challenge him, which we've gone and done with Timo Werner. If, again, we like Hudson Odoi, but maybe he's not the right guy to be the starting winger for us right now, you go and buy a top winger who's the finished article who can go and do it for us in the Champions League is proven, Hakim Ziyech. So we've already started to do that process of actually building these pieces and buying proven quality players to go and be, again, as I said earlier, the finished article and to be the final pieces to the jigsaw, which Arsenal, again, didn't do because as much as they played very good football and had a great nucleus to a team, they never really built on it, obviously, post the Henri and Vieira era. And that's where they are pretty much where they are now, which is where I don't want Chelsea to be. But I also don't want Chelsea to have to spend hundreds of millions and making constant mistakes in the transfer market. And we have proven quality young players now 
who can fill the gap and then we can also fill the rest of the gaps with the right signings, not making signings like, again, drink waters or the Marathas where these guys are 50-50 signings and we don't know if they're going to really bring us success. If we're going to go into the market and spend 30, 50, 70 million, then it's got to be in the likes of a Kante who's going to bring us guaranteed success or a Cesc Fabregas who's going to bring us guaranteed success or a Diego Costa who's going to bring us guaranteed success. Those guys going into when going into the seasons where they debuted, we were all pretty confident as Chelsea fans that these guys were going to do well. When Marata, Bakayoko, Kepa came in, most of us were optimistic, most of us expected, but it wasn't a, a nigh-on guarantee that they were going to do well. I know obviously some people at UDT saw, in the, saw into the future and knew that Kepa was never going to be any good. Fair enough. <laughs> Not everybody sees it like that. It took me a couple a couple of weeks to see, to see that myself. And yeah, that guy needs to be stopped. But again, once we get in the likes of a, a goalkeeper, a left-back, a centre-back, as well as these attacking centers that we've made, it's going to be looking a lot rosier. I agree with these points, but if you're just going to go out and sign the world-class players, give me a manager who I know will be able to set up a team properly in the Champions League. And I'm not confident Frank Lampard can do that. Now, maybe Frank Lampard is the guy that you need to get the squad players in because other yeah. managers, as you say, are short-termist. If the option is play Tammy Abraham or go out and buy somebody for $30 million that they know what they can do, they'd rather spend the money than put the trust in the young player. So I understand that Lampard's a, Lampard gets credit in that sense, although I think he was forced to do it by the transfer ban. But if the ultimate solution is you play the young players, you only spend money where you need to on the world-class players like maybe Verna can be, maybe Ziyech is, the Havertz, maybe he'll develop into that. If that's if that's the plan, instead of buying trash squad players, you just use the youth academy that you've already put money into for decades. Then if you're buying world-class players, what's the point of Lampard if he can't set the team up properly? And, and what we're hoping is as the team grows, Lampard will grow as a manager. And maybe he will. Give me somebody proven that I don't have to worry about. And this has always been my thing. Let's say it doesn't work. Do you really want Frank Lampard to be sacked as Chelsea manager. Do you really want to go through that? I don't want to go through that. And I think that could happen. And that's something I don't, I never want to see. If it's John Terry, fine. But if, <laughs> if they hired like Drogba or Lampard or Czech or Ashley Cole, even to an extent, or Essien or Balak, I'm just like, I don't want to see these guys sacked because that's what Chelsea Football Club do. If you don't get the results, they sack you. I don't want to see Fr- Frank Lampard with his cardboard box of stuff signing his whatever severance package papers like i don't want to see that so that's kind of where i'm at with it so let's move on semi's minimum have hope what happened hashtag no excuses when i said semi's minimum first of all team was looking good i (laughs) i thought i thought lampard okay you know maybe this guy can do something with this with what what i saw was a talented squad that maybe could could surprise a few people barn unique at the time when I made that, that call, we're not looking very good. They were out of form, out of sorts, changing manager. So I just thought that, you know what? These guys are going to be the shock, perhaps the Leipzig of the, of the Champions League. I didn't expect Lampard to be that tactically inept. I didn't expect that. How did you not expect a rookie to make rookie mistakes? I don't know how many rookies lose 3-0 at the crib, Champions League first leg. That's like next level ro- rookiness, you know. Jeez. <laughs> so it is. It is what it is. It's like you know, with these things, you know, you have, you see something, and you're like, okay. But time, I still do defend my um, thinking because at the time, I felt something. I felt something <laughs> at the time. But time, as I say, you know, time heals wounds, and time can reveal things. And through time, I was like, ah, oh, okay, you know, things have slightly changed now. So 
I don't, I don't know why it's even a big deal. It's like, look, things changed. I didn't think Lampard would be such a brick tactically in the Champions League, especially in that first a campaign around it. That's why it was such a big deal. It was a whole campaign. It wasn't a campaign. It was I, totally I said it like twice, and, and that was, it wasn't a campaign. Campaigns have hashtags. If no, I literally said it once or twice, and that was it. It wasn't this big, <laughs> massive campaign for you. Stuff. It wasn't, man. You don't have to lie, man. Like, come on. HH is the one he's always criticized Lampard. He's the rookie, he's the naive manager. And he had all the faith in the world that like, we were going to topple Bayern. And I became <laughs> as the guy that who defends Lampard blindly. And I was told you, bro, we were never going to beat them, man. Like, mm, <laughs> did you see the The difference is this the, the difference is it's how they lost. See, if Chelsea, let's say first leg 2 1, second leg maybe 3 1 or something, and it was a lot closer, then I'm like, oh, uh, you know, it is what it is. They got Lara Crofted in that first leg. It was a total shindig. But didn't we tell you? I told you. No, 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 no. So you really believe that? So you really predicted that Bayern would beat Chelsea 3-0 in the first leg? I'm pretty sure I said it was going to be really bad because I knew that one club has Kepa in goal and the other club has Lewandowski as a striker. Exactly. And I was trying to tell you he's going to get at least three goals over the course of the two legs. And that's exactly what he did with four assists. <laughs> so I, I, I'm sure if we go back and we pinpoint, I'm telling you, he's going to score. I said he's going to score three or four. I said that. Because it's just common sense. One side has a bad defense and a bad goalkeeper. The other one has the greatest striker of his generation. So you tell me what's going to happen. Definitely not semi's minimum. And you, the problem is before, you were like, give me Bayern. I want Bayern. <laughs> and people are just like, what do you mean give you Bayern? That was, that was when Bayern were not looking too good, man. Okay, It was when Bayern were not look, looking too good. Just, so. just, uh, you, you were, so, so, like, it's fine. It was, I, I didn't think Bayern were not looking too good. Look, man, we can't all win our agendas. It's okay. Like, I won Pulisic. Oh, no, I won with Kepa. I'm taking an L with Pulisic. It's just, it is what it is. We just, we can't all win. And I can admit that I was wrong. If I saw Christian Pulisic, I'd, I'd apologize. Like, look, man, I doubted you. I thought you were going to be bleached, Willian. Even though I defend Willian, but, you know, it was kind of used as a pejorative. I thought you were going to be bleached, Willian. You've proved to be better. I just got to take the L. Half hope. It just, it's just an L. It's just one L. All you got to do is just, I accept my L. That's all you gotta do. Never, never, never. <laughs> you know who doesn't accept L's in the Champions League? Juventus. Now I've tried to do this for three times. We're definitely talking about this now. Sorry's out of Juventus because they lost to seventh place league on team Lyon. Obviously, no, 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 Daniel, 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 say that again very slowly. Say that real. Repeat what you just said, but very slowly for the kids at the back, please. Thank you. Juventus lost. To seventh placed league on side Lyon in the Champions League over two legs. So sorry, had to go. <laughs> According to them, anyway. I'm thinking like, okay, if you if you if you're getting rid of him, maybe that's a good decision. But who are you bringing in? So people are like, hey, bring Allegri back. Conte seems unsettled at interim. If you bring him, um, those two have worked at your club before. Pochettino, as we say, is available. Maybe that could be a good signing. And as people were kind of deciding in group chats and whatnot, so what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Somebody puts in, they did Pirlo. I'm like, huh? You go to Twitter, you see Pirlo trending. You see this guy who had just been appointed under, under 23 coach like two, three weeks ago. He's now their official Manager, I'm just like, oh, like, what's going on? And then now we have to think. So Arteta's at Arsenal, wins the FA Cup. Lampard's at Chelsea, got top four. Ali's at Manchester United, doing well, according to them. What Pep did with Barcelona, hmm. 
what Zidane's doing with Real Madrid, probably the most incisive or instructive example here. So Juventus are clearly looking at this like, well, why don't we just bring in one of our former players? Interestingly, interestingly enough, when I think of Pirlo, I don't think Pirlo at Juventus. I think Pirlo at AC Milan, but that's besides the point. Can someone give me a concrete reason other than we're just signing our former legends or players to be managers now? At least Lampard had a season at Derby County. At least Pep and Zidane coached, you know, the B teams in the second division of Spanish football. Now, this is a rookie. I, I, he had two weeks experience <laughs> as a manager of kids. So, have hope. explain to me why Andrea Pirlo is manager of Juventus Football Club. So, let's start first with this season, or maybe even the last two seasons. Why did Juventus get Cristiano Ronaldo? And why was it a big announcement? We are getting Mr. Champions League. We are getting the three-time-in-a-row Champions League winner. And we have the score because we've, we've gone so close, but now we now have the goal score. We now have the finishing touch to get to the Champions League. Obviously, filled last season, this new season. Maybe what we need is we need to play expansive football. Alleri doesn't have expansive football. We need to play expansive, interesting, positive football. We have Cristiano. So he gets brought in. Horrible season. They play horribly. They still win the league, though. But the embarrassment and the disgrace to be knocked out by Lyon, the seventh best team in France, you have to react. UV fans are pissed off. Initially, their anger is sorry, 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 sorry. But UV fans were like, wait a minute. What's had Nelly been doing? What's Nedved been doing? Is Sari really the only issue here? And now they have to fire Sari quickly. So what they should have done is, okay, let's fire Sari. Let's have a two-week period of finding a new manager. But now in that two-week period, you don't have to be angry at Sari anymore. Now UV fans are like, okay, Sari is gone now. Now who else should we put our fingers at? Ah, the owners. Who have you bought? How good is the transfer po- policy? Are you really helping to buy players and so forth, so forth, support Cristiano? So before they get there, let's change the narrative. Pierlo. 95% of fans always fall for that. It's Pierlo. Yes, he's back. He's the amazing midfield genius. Um, I think, therefore, I play. So now, the EVA fans will, will now sort of not direct their anger at Anneli and um, Nedved, but should now be jumping up and down because Pierlo has been, has been hired. It is a PR move. It is a clear PR move. There is no logical reason that after you've been knocked out of the Champions League, you would hire a manager with no experience. So if you're Cristiano as well, you are like, what? This is a process hiring. This isn't a hiring of, man, this guy's going to come in. And... Because remember, Zidane is touched by something. I don't know. I, th- I think Zidane is touched by an, a divine force. Pep Guardiola had experience for the Barcelona B team. That's where he brought in Sergio Busquets. And he was coming in. And so happened to have a generational talent in Elena Messi. And so happened to have the spine of, of what was a Spanish team that's won three in a row. That score he had in 09 ain't the same as these guys that Pierre is going to be taking over. But Benedeski is trash. Rabio is, is, is trash. Alexandro slightly getting on, getting a bit older. Ramsey, B-Tech player. Dybala turns up when he wants to. Bonucci, Chiellini, all these guys are getting older. So it's a far different kind of score that he's taking over as opposed to what Pep did. It stinks and it, re- and it reeks of a PR move. And by them hiring Pierlo, they effectively could lose Cristiano, who would say, F this. I'm moving to a team who's actually serious about winning the Champions League. Because this hiring 
is a statement that says we're not serious about winning the Champions League. That's not our priority. Our priority is let's now rebuild from ground zero, scratch and move on. Hiring could effectively lose them Cristiano. And this must be actually what opens up the Syria. Because let me say this, and then I'll hand it to you guys. If Pirlo comes in, it is very first season with zero experience and wins the Syria for Juventus 10 in a row, I want this league disbanded. Uh, what what are your thoughts on um this this kind of this trend towards signing or hiring not managers necessarily I guess there are more head coaches hiring head coaches who are just like yeah he he played at our club he was a legend is this a is this a trend you think that started maybe with Guardiola has this always happened and we're just now noticing it because these are legends that we grew up on. Or is this clearly linked to just, oh, Zidane won three Champions Leagues. So if it works for Real Madrid, maybe it can work for us. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly an interesting trend, which is certainly more prevalent nowadays. I mean, we're seeing it almost in every in every country, in every top five league, that there's a previous legend of the club in, in the recent years, generally from the, the uh, early 2000s era. He's now a manager at a top club, and it's it's quite it's quite interesting to see. And, and to be honest with Juventus, um, you know, there's any club you want to step into, and as your first job in management, it kind of is Juventus because again they're on the, off the back of nine league titles, so you're almost guaranteed to win a league title there. And even though he is inexperienced, you would think that he has a good enough squad, especially with the right enforcement and the, the right the right transfer window, to go and win a tenth league title, which. Again, it would just be crazy from the heyday of the, the Serie A in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. So, yeah, for me, it's, it's a very strange appointment, but we also be quite interested to see what Juventus' goal here is. I mean, do you think Perlo's the kind of guy who's going to take them to a Champions League? Is he going to implement a new, more attractive style of play? Because that was the aim on the Sarri, to, to a degree. They had, obviously, the likes of Allegri, Conte, who were more pragmatic managers and maybe they thought a more expansive style would help them to win the Champions League. And, obviously, it wasn't evident in Sarri's first season. And, I mean, it was quite clear, even though they had won the, um, the, uh, the Serie A title, it was very inconv- unconvincing. The likes of Lazio and Inter Milan really should have pushed them a lot closer than they did in the end. The football wasn't that great. Many players didn't push in the same way that they thought they would and ultimately led to Sarri's demise. And I think even had they gone through against Lyon, they weren't good enough to go through the next tie against Man City. And I think the writing was already pretty much on the wall for Sarri. Now, what is Pelo really going to bring to this team? It's, it's the unknown. We don't really know what he's going to bring to this team. And that's kind of, that's what's going to make them interesting to see for next season. We're also interested to see what players they bring in because as much as a lot of blame will be laid will be labelled at, at Sarri's doorstep. You also have to look at the recruitment. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the director of football being kicked out of the club as well, because even just the midfield as an example, the likes of Emery Chan, um, obviously he went to move to Dortmund, but also the likes of Rabi, who they brought in, Ramsey, who they've got there, Bentoncourt, Matuidi. These are all good players, but again, some of them very similar players and not the kind of team, not the kind of midfield that's really going to go and get you a Champions League title, which is their main goal. And it's very interesting that you go for an inexperienced manager when that is your main goal because you can go put anybody in charge and they're going to win the Serie A title. We've seen that for the last nine years. It's it's a formality at this point. It's a very interesting appointment, I must say. I'm certainly going to be looking and, and seeing how he gets on. And um, I think the most important thing for him is to see if he can keep Ronaldo there. And he's got a convincing that, no, I'm not just here to just be a PR, a PR manager and to make everything, everything 
talking good, you know, good vibes FC. No, I'm here to win us the Champions League. And certainly you're going to need Ronaldo to do that because this Juventus side, aside from him, in the Champions League, have looked woeful. I mean, in that two-legged tie against Leon, it was only Cristiano who was really looking like doing anything going forward. So it remains to be seen what happens, but it's certainly interesting times in Juventus. So maybe a chance for the likes of Inter Milan and Lazio to get there mm, together and put up a real title challenge. Can we have a word for Sarri here? He wins the Europa League with Chelsea winning 62% of his games last season, and they get rid of him for a rookie at Lampard. Win Serie A with Juventus, winning 65% of his games, and they sack him for another rookie in Pirlo. Back-to-back seasons. He wins two trophies, a European trophy and a domestic trophy, something he'd never done before. People think Sarri Ball is what Napoli was. Forgetting the fact that he was at Napoli for 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. Three seasons over four years. That takes time to play football like that. It's not just going to happen instantly just because you hire the manager, as forward laid out before. When you're dealing with the visions of managers who come before you, it's harder to implement the style of football you want to play. So at Chelsea, he's dealing with Mourinho leftovers, Conte leftovers. Uh, At Juventus, he's dealing with Allegri's leftovers, essentially. All three of those managers, Mourinho, Conte, Allegri, don't play the style of football that Sarri wants to play. So it's going to take probably maybe even more time than what Napoli did. And that took three seasons to get to the whole sorry ball football that we saw um, in 2017-18. So he wins all these trophies. He's winning the club's trophies. He's not losing that many games. 62% at Chelsea, 65% at Juventus is a pretty good clip, especially at Chelsea, if you think about it. What did he do? <laughs> like, <laughs> Is it just because like he doesn't look like he's supposed to be like a manager like that? Like He doesn't have that kind of aesthetic of somebody that you like want to follow. He just kind of looks like a nerdy dude who's just kind of sort of good at this management thing. But if you have the option of getting Pirlo or Lampard, I guess clubs are like, all right, fine, we'll, we'll do that. But like, what did he do? Who did he piss off? Like, what happened? For the Juventus thing is like, there was a feeling of this guy, it's his fault. He's messing up the team. If we lose, it's all because of him and so forth. So there was already such toxicity amongst the, the fans about him. Everyone knew that despite what he did with the the trophies, if he didn't win the Champions League, we have to let him go. That's why the issue isn't Sarri. The issue is who hired Sarri. If you hire a Pep Guardiola, you have to give him the players that he needs because he's a philosophical manager. If you hire Sarri, you have to give him all of the specific players that he needs. So the issue with events is that this was the wrong man because this team at the core is still very much Allegri's team. Mm-hmm. And this team on the very core have to play pragmatic football. The issue is you have to know who you hire. I think Half Hope has brought this up on multiple occasions in the past few days. And I think it's quite interesting considering this one fact. France only gets three Champions League teams. Two of them are automatic qualifications. The other one has to go through the qualifying round. Italy, Germany, England, and Spain, four spots, no qualification. Now, for me, that's quite interesting because, as we can see, there's not that much greater difference between the Italian champions and one of the teams behind PSG in French football. Furthermore, in Germany, they only play 34 games in a season, not 38. So they have less games to play. So I'm kind of curious, why is it that French football only gets three Champions League spots when the rest of the four major leagues get four. To me, that doesn't make sense, and it's not fair. Do you guys have any thought on that, or is that just something that I just need to get over? I mean, it's just down to the coefficients over the last, I believe it's over the last eight years, how they rank it. And again, other than Monaco's amazing season, uh, when they got to the semifinal, 
there's not really been any French teams that have done that great or got far in the, in the Champions League other than, of course, PSG. And... How do you improve the coefficient if you have one less team? I know, that's the problem. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme where you've just got to, you've got to, out, you've got to outperform the, the circumstances that you're put in. So. If you don't have the fourth team, then you're only using three teams. It, to me, it's not fair. No, 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 no. Basically, like, if we scrap... What has happened this year? I think after this year, I think they should just change it after this year for sure. I think it should be stripped of one team and give that one to France based on just what happened this season. But if you just forget about this season, yeah, you may have one less team, but you have to look at how well your teams perform both in Europa League, but also specifically in the Champions League. So if, if let's say, within those three teams, they get to a quarter or a semi, and then the four teams of Syria, they don't really get that far. You can then balance it out and say, well, you know, over the, over the past few years or so, these three teams of the French League have been doing better than these four teams. Taking into account, they have one less team. So, But the fact of the matter is that it's really only been PSG mm. who has really been at the forefront of really doing well for France. But you look at this year, let's see what happens with Atalanta. See, if Atlanta get knocked out, you would... Ha- have to now really think about, hmm, should we give France maybe that other spot and maybe take one from Italy? My whole point is, I don't think it's fair to French football. For this exact reason, is that Juventus got to those finals and it pushed their coefficient up to where they get the extra Champions League spot. So I guess maybe this is PSG's fault. Get to a final, you help your country in that sense. Somebody asked us a question, footy troll, thoughts on Pinaldo, 17th penalty goals this season. His fans are scapegoating, sorry, for Juventus' Champions League exit. In my opinion, sorry can only do so much with a squad of 30-year-old free transfers. If you're a player fan, meaning the, my favorite player is Neymar, my favorite player is Hazard, my favorite player is Messi, my favorite player is Ronaldo, my favorite player is Griezmann, my favorite player is whomever, whoever it is, Jordan Henderson... You're never going to be willing, really, to place the blame at the feet of your guy. So you're going to look for excuses within the team that explain whatever's gone bad. So that's point he just said. FG. FG said to me that once Cristiano retires, he's done with football. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. So those are, there are guys like, like that out there. So, And you know what? You know what's real? I don't doubt him. I actually no, don't. Of course, I don't know. Of course, I don't know because I already know that he's obviously into me. But when he said that, no, I knew it for sure. So there are guys who my agenda is in total support of this player. So do you know what the last insane? thing they want to do you know is put the blame on anyone else apart from the a guy who this is the reason why they even care about this damn sport. Do you know what's insane, Double H? Some people they care about his son because his son apparently plays football in the Juventus Academy or somewhere in Italy. So there are people who are like, when Ronaldo retires, I'm now going to support his son playing football because I guess they think the, the that is creepy they will that, is, that is fucking creepy LeBron has the same so there are super LeBron fans that now care about his son with Bronny he's LeBron James Jr but they call him Bronny so he's like an up-and-coming maybe like 15 16 year old basketball player so his fan LeBron James Sr's fans are looking at the junior like okay it's, it's your time like it's just weird how like, I don't know what Vince Carter's kids' names are. I don't know who – I think Didier Drogba might have kids that play football, but I don't know their names. I don't. Not that I don't care about them. I wish them well in their endeavors, but I'm not, like, just kind of <laughs> obsessed over the the kind of lineage of Drogba so I can continue my, my fanship. I bet you FG knows how many goals Ronaldo's son has scored in under 12 football. That's the outrageousness that people go to, which is – No, no, no. It's, it's... – 
basically that is a whole other podcast and topic to do about people's obsessions with these players. Uh, and uh, N'Golo, that, that, did I say that was from Footy Troll? Um, from Ingozulu Matando asks, who do y'all think are going to win the Europa League and the Champions League? So my pick for the Europa League is Inter Milan. And I know Conte hasn't got the best record in Europe, but given their form this season, and uh, given the fact that it is a one-off legged game, I think it just suits the way that they play more than most. I think defensively they're pretty airtight at the back with the likes of Godin and the fridge, um, the Friday. And of course you've got Lukaku and Martinez, which has just uh, been a formidable strike partnership this this season. And I remember coming on HH's channel early in the season saying that Lukaku would outscore Ronaldo this season. Now, to be fair, Ronaldo's got I think 37 goals in 43 games, which again at 35 years old is just is is a, is a ridiculous record. But I mean, Lukaku's not too far behind. Um, he's got 31 goals now, so he's actually only three goals behind the original Ronaldo's record of 34 in his debut season at Inter Milan. So again, I feel like with two more games left to play, if they get to the final, I think he could even break that. So for me, I would I would like to see Inter Milan win it, partly just because it's kind of interesting watching like a Premier League All Stars team. Like how many of those guys are ex Premier League uh, alumni? The likes of Eriksen, Sanchez. Obviously, Lukaku, Victor Moses, you look good off the bench today. Um, and others, Ashley Young, of course, as well. So I think they've got the, the strength and depth to go and do it. So, and, and obviously, looking at United, who are probably other people's favourites, uh, they're just not that convincing. And again, somebody like Oli, who's in a similar role to Lampard, where he's here to try and make a transition into the next stage for Man United. I've seen a lot more from him in the last couple of seasons that he's just not really that convincing in the big games and actually getting his tactics right and, and actually fleshing out this team over a sustained period of time because for me it looks like he's wearing out these players that like so Fernandes and Rashford who look very worn out over the last couple of weeks of the season so yeah for me I'd go with Inter Milan for the Europa League and in a word as PS, as a HH knows for the Champions League PSG are going to win it I've told him already from day I don't know why he hasn't taken the bet yet he's, he's scared out of that one but PSG are winning the Champions League man I've said it I'm not taking any, any bets because it's rigged Man City for the Champions League, severe for the Europa League, only if they ban penalties and henceforth in the Europa League. Because if penalties are, are allowed, United are, are, are winning. Copenhagen, man. What do you think about their keeper? Would you take him? Like a, a, a display <laughs> of one game. Than Kepa and you... Caballero, man. Incredible I mean, bro, if you deep it, if you deep it, bro, Kepa's stats this season were... Not just the worst of any Premier League goalkeeper this season, but the worst of any Premier League goalkeeper of all time. Like it's, it's bad, bro. Like I can watch any game. You can pick any random game in Europe, and I'll see the keeper. And I'd be like, you know what? I'd have a bit of him because he's first of all going to be a bit taller, and they also make saves. Like it's mad. So again, to earlier's point, when you want to blame a lot of the Lampard's deficiencies on on the defense, uh, it's true. The defending could be a lot better, but bro, like get me someone who can actually keep the ball out of the back of the net. It's gonna make a difference, man. Let's see what's what else do I have written down on this piece of paper? Sancho, the deadline was today for him to go to Manchester United. Apparently, United did not pay the money. Um, do you guys believe this deadline, or do you think it's just more kind of business maneuvering? And eventually, Sancho will find his way to to Carrington and the next. Yeah, it's bull. He'll, I think, he'll find his way out to United. It's Dortmund. They're the selling club. They like to sell. They're a brothel. They like to give their body up for a price. So um, he's, he will end up at Dortmund somehow. So, no, sorry, he'll end up at United somehow, somewhere, for sure. Uh, would you want to say, obviously you'd take him at Chelsea, but like, are you worried that he'd go to United instead of like staying at Dortmund or is it just, 
it is what it is. Mm, I mean, Sancho grew up as a Chelsea fan, so I mean, I'd be lying if I said I, I, I wasn't campaigning for him to cut, join the club uh, earlier in the season. Um, even now, again, he would have been my preferred choice to Havertz, which, again, it's another discussion because I don't know that's quite worth the 90 million that's been touted out there. But, <sighs> again, we'll get onto that one. But, again, with Sancho, and obviously, will, will he join um, United? Again, it's funny to me just seeing how United have almost fallen from grace and now they're being mocked by, by Dortmund. I mean, played by them pretty much. I mean, for some reason, they want to try and do this, this deal where it's, where it's it's mainly procured on add-ons rather than like an instalment fee. So it'll be at 120 million, which is obviously include maybe 20 million worth of add-ons, which is going to be maybe, I think, a parameter of, oh, if Sancho wins the league, you get an extra 10 million here. If he's made this many appearances, you get an extra 5 million. If he's got this many goals, he gets an extra 5. And Dortmund are like, burn all that, man. Just give me the money in it. So they want the money certified over a certain period of time. And it looks like they're probably going to get their way. And I think Sancho will eventually go. He won't probably do a Dembele, which is going to be like missing training and forcing his way out of the club. But I think in the end, they'll, they'll come to an agreement. And again, personal terms are already agreed. Sancho obviously wants to go back home to England. And he's obviously, obviously has family up in Manchester from his time in, with, with Man City. So it makes sense. And again, as bad as Oli is as a manager, which I will I will sing to the cows come home. When you got the likes of Sancho, Pogba, Martial, he was amazing today as well. Rashford, you got shoot Nandes or Pernandes or whatever you want to call this guy. He's bloody hell, but this guy's just penalties. Like Jesus Christ! But when you got that amount of talent up front, then you're bound to do. You're bound to do to be a problem in the league and and in Europe as well. So again, Sancho going to United is a, is a problem for everybody in, in the Premier League right now. Wait, 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 did you give your pick? I, I didn't want to, so I thought I could like skip it and nobody no, would notice. You can't give your pick. Um, give your pick. <laughs> <laughs> Keen eye, Anas. Um, my Champions League pick is PSG. It's going to be PSG until they win it. They say never to change your lottery number. What? So have hope. Listen to me, and I will explain my logic. Um, if you choose a different lottery number every time, you have a less chance of winning the lottery, which is already infinitesimally small. But you have a lesser chance of winning it if you change your pick every time. So what you're supposed to do is play the same numbers every time, and maybe one time the lottery will match your number. That's how you're supposed to do it. So for World Cups, I pick France. For Euros, I pick France. For Champions League, I'm picking PSG. I've been right once in my life, 2018's World Cup. But some people are never right because they always switch. So it's better to stay consistent with your pick. And I've picked PSG to win the Champions League for the past three, four years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've been let down. In heartbreaking fashion on many occasions, most notably Barcelona and what they did and like what Neymar did. But that's neither here nor there. The point is I'm sticking with PSG because it just seems logical. Maybe the more logical choice would have been Real Madrid, now that I think about it, considering, you know, four to five and all that. But that just seems cheap to me. So let's go with like a club that hasn't won it before. But yeah, Champions League pick, PSG. It will be PSG until they win it and then I'll pick a new team. You will be wrong. So every year. (laughs) Europa League... I'll, I'll go with Inter. I think Inter's football is probably best off in like a one-legged tie. They play five at the back. They have a strikers that can score goals in Lukaku and Martinez. They say Conte does bad in Europe, but maybe that's more a consequence of him playing two legs. And maybe he overthinks the first or one leg messes up or whatever the case is. But he did win Chelsea, I think, in FA Cup, and that's knockout football. So I'll go with Inter. Plus, I don't feel like picking Manchester United to win something after seeing the performance that we just saw today. I don't know how anybody could be confident. Now, I thought Real Madrid could come back. I think a lot of people thought they could. 
But was it after four or five minutes? I don't know what they were doing at the back. It was just like Courtois came out too far. Varane didn't have anybody passed back to. He put the ball in. I think Jesus got it, gave it to Sterling, and they scored. So as soon as City went up, what, 3-1 on aggregate, I was like, oh, okay. This is probably going in City's direction. Benzema scored a really good goal. Rodrigo, by the way. That little move, whatever he did, it got quality, me out of my seat. Quality. He gave a bath. He gave a bath. <laughs> The way I cheered Benzema's goal, you would think I was a Real Madrid fan. I was very happy for him to score. Everything was cool. But then, you know, Varane made the mistake. When Whenever defenders let the ball bounce, I get worried. If the ball bounces, you're giving the attacker at least another however long to get in a position to just make, make a decision or just to trouble you. And that's kind of what happened. The ball bounced. He tried to head it back to Courtois. Jesus, as all strikers do, they take the chance that maybe, just maybe, this is going to work out for me. And it did. Great finish from, from Jesus and City advance. This was probably the marquee game of last week. And we maybe have 10 minutes left in the show. So your thoughts on City Madrid? Do you think City um, are in good stead to, to advance? Who do they play? Um, Leon. Seems someone's in the semis. Uh, <laughs> Man City are my, are my pick to win the whole thing. I think that's a solid pick. Yeah, no, I think this was a key game for them to win. I think this format might be suitable for them. One game which means that it leaves less of an opportunity for Pep to overthink. Right. Um, Varan, he was at fault for two of those goals, but I think we have to give credit to Pep and his tactical setup, his pressing game. But Jesus, Jesus was very key. Mm-hmm. And we have to give props to to Jesus. In my opinion, Aguero has 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 failed in in Europe. So why not just put faith into Jesus where Aguero has failed? Are you worried that City might win the Champions League, or do you not care if City win the Champions League? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the the fact that it's quite rare that there's there's a select few of English teams that have won the Champions League, and again, most of them are not really relevant in football right now in terms of the likes of Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa. So of the big teams, it's <laughs> I know I know offense to those guys. I mean, it, it is what it is. But yeah, again, true, right now, true. I mean, like, they're not really at the Shout top. Shout out Ryan Clough. Shout out Clough. Oh, of course, of course, legend. <laughs> But um, of the teams that have won it, it's pretty much just United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and that's pretty much it. Um, so obviously it was great seeing not not seeing Tottenham win it the other year, um, last year, and again, Man City were to win it, fair play to them. But I just don't think they're good. I don't think they have enough. I mean, again, I wouldn't even write off Leon in the game because again, let's not forget Leon gave them a lot of trouble in the group stages. Uh, I think it was even last year when Ndombele dropped a very good performance and uh, Fakir scored. They actually beat them. Uh, what was it, three two at the Etihad? It's not a foregone conclusion that they'll be into the semi-finals. But one thing I would have to say is we have to give them a, a lot of credit for their performance. I think Pep. For someone who's criticised a lot for his um, his tactics and game planning in, in Europe in recent years, I think he got his tactics spot on with how he, he deployed a more press-heavy front three with Foden as the, the false nine in that sense. He's used on the left in the first half, Sterling on the right. And then once he switched it in the second half, that's, that's when Sterling gave Carvajal a lot of issues and eventually mm-hmm. they were able to press uh, Varane twice and get the goal. I thought Pepe had a great game and pretty much tactically got got us down by the balls in that game to be honest um and also i just want on a side note i think it was just it's just kind of nice to just see sterling obviously given all the decree the, the that he the critique that he's got in in england to not only be shining for man city in, in the domestic stage but to be doing it on the european stage and against the biggest club in the world i just thought there was something really nice about seeing him score and be play a pivotal part in a in a in this win but i mean the main reason why i'm happy that we've picked up this subject is because we have to talk about you know who <sighs> eden hazard so there's nothing to say. Look, this season is a write-off. It is what it no, is. No, no, no. And it is a write-off. And I still think he's going to come back. I can't put any faith in the guy at this point right now. I've got to be real. But, um, and look, even with the, the performance that he had, 
And again, this isn't all on his fault because I feel I feel like he started off the game pretty well. I think he had a good first half, but obviously he, he, he clearly tapered off towards the second half, and he clearly wasn't fit to play ninety minutes, which again was quite baffling that Zidane started him. Why I was so happy to see to see Hazard go to Madrid, even though it hurt me as a Chelsea fan to see him leave, was I thought you know what. He's all of these years playing with the likes of William and Pedro, who, again, are good players, but they're not at that world-class level. They're not going to get the best out of him. And right now, we're having to force everything through Hazard. Now we can go play at a team which is full of Galacticos, full of Champions League winners who are going to be on the same level as him on a footballing level. So we're going to see him not having to carry the team, but perform alongside a great team around him. Again, we saw what he did at the World Cup with the likes of De Bruyne and Lukaku with all these great players. He got them to a semi-final and, and was their best player by far in that semi-final where De Bruyne disappeared. Looking at how Zidane has deployed him this season has honestly felt me with so much contempt for the guy because you don't play someone like Hazard who's had the ankle injury, he's clearly a yard slower. You don't stick him out on the touchline against Kyle Walker, fastest and strongest fullback in world football. You don't do that. You use your common sense and you play him in a number 10 position so he can link up with Benzema because their best moments in that game was when Hazard dropped into the pocket and was able to link up with Benzema. That was how you're going to get the best out of Eden. Who do you play on the left? You have a winger in Vinicius who didn't come off the bench for whatever reason. That's the guy you play on the left to go at Walker and give you some pacing behind and go at that City high line. And so you have, you have Rodrigo on the right. And again, I don't know if Valverde was fit, but if Valverde's fit, you play him alongside either Casemiro or Kroos because you needed a legs in midfield because while this was a very good game to watch, and both teams were impeccable technically in terms of their, their midfield. The glaring hole in Madrid's team was that every time they got caught on the transition, they didn't have the legs to catch up with Man City. Modric and Kroos, as good as they've been in the Champions League, their legs are just not where they need to be to be in a game like that. And certainly having the both of them is just going to cause you a massive liability. So for me, I thought that's a dang his tactics horribly wrong. Obviously, you're not helped by the mistakes that Varane made because for me, still a top five defender in world football, but you can't make mistakes like that. And it show, it goes to show just how important partnerships are in football and even just the intangibles of football because while Varane's, again, physically amazing, got great pace, there's just certain things that someone like Ramos who maybe hasn't got the physical gifts that Varane has certainly has the mental edge in terms of just knowing when to play out from the back I think he's also the technically better footballer in terms of actually being able to pass from the back and with Militado who you could see was pretty nervous didn't have the best of games when it came to actually playing out from the back in those early stages they tried to go through Varane mostly and Varane you could see he's not the best on the ball and they didn't really know whether they were coming or going in terms of actually trying to play through the back or just going long and direct which they should have done in those early stages and he dabbled on the ball too long got caught out and they were punished and again after that his confidence was shot and obviously what led to the second goal as well so it's a calamity of errors for Madrid in that game and something you're not really used to expecting from them in Europe where they've been so dominant for many years again luckily for them Barcelona are also in a transition period where they were able to beat them to the league and we'll see what happens for next season and we'll see if they can make a better run in the Champions League for the for next season all in all for Hazard it's just it's all or nothing for next season he he has to perform otherwise his entire legacy as, as a player is really coming into question and bro you guys, I don't know if you guys have seen me on Twitter but I've been deep in the trenches for years trying to defend this guy and uh, like he's, he, I'm, on, I'm on my final my, my final leg with this one man. like he's got up before <laughs> it's, it's bad do we have a word on Gareth Bale he's playing golf <laughs> so I mean like again I have, I have no effing idea what Gareth Woods up this motherfucker oh. <laughs> but yeah he's, he's trying to get a hole in one weird <laughs> basically the Gareth Bale story or the Gareth Bale Netflix doc will be very interesting. Can I just say one thing on Gareth Bale? It's funny how in the UK he's not really painted as the villain, but could you imagine if that was someone of Pogba's skin complexion or, or Sterling's skin complexion doing what he's doing in Madrid oh? saying, I don't want to go to England to play that game. I, I want to stay at home. <laughs> really? Now, could you imagine if Pogba did that? I mean, bro. 
don't talk to me about that. I'll be mad. Do you know what? It's a good life if you can get it. I think they still probably have to pay him, yeah. and he just gets to play golf and not go. And Zidane, Zidane hasn't wanted him for the longest, so it's not like he can really say anything to him. Zidane might be the one that set this chain of events in motion. So what can he really do? So it's like Gareth Bale, in his mind, he probably has the high ground because it's like, well, he said he didn't want me anyway. So if I don't want to go, that's not my fault. That's his fault. So yeah, I mean, if you can get paid however much he's getting paid per week and they have to pay you, go for it. Like the, So Ozil and Bale, I wonder, calculate the amount of money that they've earned in the past year or so. And then the amount of games they've played or minutes they've played. I'll bet you it's it's an it's an unseemly amount of money per minute. Um, I mean, I know Bell is on the six hundred k a week, which is six hundred. Yeah, bro, it's mad. <laughs> it's mad. I mean, his agent's done bits for him, fair play, but again, it's it's crazy. So, well, okay, if he's on six hundred six hundred k, do I need to subtract the Wales minutes? No, twenty six thousand. No, twenty six thousand euros a minute. That's crazy. Yeah, that's mad. That's Some nice cheddar, man. Oh, it's before tax. I, I, Even wait, still, though, like, I, know, I mean, saying. USA mentioned earlier, 27K, uh, like, a minute. <laughs> like, some people, 27 pound an hour, that, that's good money. <laughs> so, so, like, like, bro, it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild when you deep it, man. It's crazy. But I, I, well, I guess we have to include, okay, that's not just his work. His work would be, like, going to training and all that kind of stuff. So mm. maybe it's a little bit more than that. But still, 27,000 per minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> 27,000 divided by 60. 450 euros a second played. So every second that goes, basically 500 euros went into his pocket. Now, see, anyway. The problem with that is where does he go next? Because Zidane's obviously going to freeze him out now. Nobody Saint- can really afford those wages. So, like, I mean, he, he could go to St. Andrews, Berkshire. He could go to Royal Liverpool Golf Club, Royal Triune, or whatever it is. Just trying to think of like Tiger Woods golf games that I played back in the days. St. <laughs> <laughs> Andrews is where he can go. Yeah, this has been the Talking Texas podcast. Forward, we thank you for joining. You know, it was a pleasure, guys. Man, it was good. Oh, Obviously, thanks, I don't man. think we see. Uh, you don't think I don't think we see things quite the same on on Lampard, but I think we've come to more of an understanding of. Or why we see it the way we do, and ultimately we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of the answers to the questions that we have in the next year or so. So mm. it's gonna be an interesting journey, man, and I I can't wait to see it. Well, we'll have you on again sometimes next season, I'm sure, and and we mm. can have a discussion once once Lampard's picture is is more complete. So where can people find you online? One more time. Yeah, that'd be forward underscore one hundred on Twitter, and yeah, you're gonna find a lot of uh, of interesting takes. I mean, today's just been me trolling uh, United fans after the uh, after the Sancho <laughs> Sancho saga. Man, shout out to a man like Terry Flues. I hope he's doing all right. He's crying in his car earlier. It's peak times, man. Feel yeah, for, forwards forwards details will be in the in the description of the podcast. So follow us at Talking Tactics um, on Twitter, Talking Tactics three five two. On Facebook, Talking Tactics. On Instagram, um, if you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. I'm at Daniel to look. Half Hopes at Half Hope Hut. Carl's at Anchorman 616. He's doing some athletic stuff at the moment. It is what it is. Talking Tactics podcast. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.